Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Use that code CHGO when you download the app and sign up. Hello, everybody. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday. It is June 18th. Happy Father's Day to all of the fathers out there listening. Uh, I, of course, am Brendan's dad, so happy Father's Day to me. Happy Father's Day, Corey. Um, And it was a good week for the Chicago Cubs. They go 5-1. and During this stretch of baseball, they sweep the Pirates to begin the week at Wrigley Field, and then they take another two of three from an AL juggernaut like they did uh, when Tampa Bay visited. So all things considered, it was a good week. Uh, But yes, as we have a comment in our YouTube chat, if you're joining us live on YouTube, hello later on YouTube, hello if you're listening wherever you get your podcasts, welcome in. Uh, It is a Sunday, Brendan, so the Cubs did lose. So uh, It has to happen that way. I'm sorry. It's our is fault. that is it because we're recording on it Sundays is. now? It is. That's why. I'm sorry to everyone, but you know what? It was a solid week overall. It was, yes. Yeah. So uh, we do have uh, a lot to talk about. Uh, again, as we started this recording, it's obviously the middle of the day on Sunday. Uh, Four games back are the Chicago Cubs. Uh, I believe that means the Milwaukee Brewers won this afternoon. I went to the game with Cody, uh, so I'm just catching up on the out-of-town scoreboard. Uh, But yes, so four games. But as we talked about last week, Brendan, like for how much of a roller coaster this season has been, it doesn't matter whether the division is full of great baseball teams or bad baseball teams. doesn't matter. What matters is that the Cubs are only a handful of games out of first place, and this week certainly helped them in that. This is the weirdest season I've ever remembered following this team, right? Because the the overwhelming feel is that they're massively underperforming, and also to reasons that we kind of anticipated, right? And then to see them within one week kind of get back into the race, but still be you know, five games under 500, still going through some injuries and getting guys back. It's a weird place to be in, right? But every season is sacred, as we've always talked about, and they are in the race regardless of whether or not they're meeting our expectations. Right. Uh, we have a friend of the podcast, Greg Huss, in the chat. Good to see What's you, Greg. Up, Greg? I'll be on his uh, show tomorrow, by the way. So if you're listening, wow, to I know over yeah. on Northside Bound. Yeah, yes, we'll, yeah, I can't wait. We've, Wonderful Cubs on deck. Yes, it drops on Tuesday, I think. But yeah, yeah. Okay, look forward to that. 
Um, yeah, so again, the Cubs sweep the Pirates earlier this week. They take two or three from the Orioles. We will talk a little bit about Jamison Tyone. I know uh, folks are talking about that in the chat. Want to talk, of course, about the torrid stretch that one Christopher Morell oh, is yeah. on. I, I was at the game, Brendan, and I, I swear, I, I wear glasses now, <laughs> so sometimes my vision is a little messed up. I looked out on the field, and I said to Cody, I'm like, is that Barry Bonds and the Cubs on deck? And I'm like, oh, no, it's just Christopher Morell. Did, did the sound of that home run break your glasses? Is that why you're not wearing them now? Is this the yes. shattered them? Yeah. That's what I figured. I know. Yes, yeah, my that's TV correct. My broke because of it. Yeah. So, but we do want to dig into him because not only is it obvious that he's doing well, the home run totals, the OPS, et cetera, but the under the hood stuff is, is very interesting and in how yeah. he's kind of responded to some of the way that the league was pitching him and stuff like that. And you really saw it in that at bat that he hit the home run in today, spitting on, uh, you know, some breaking balls in the dirt, going low and away, and then obviously getting the pitch that he wanted and hitting a very, very hard line drive into yes. the stands at, at Wrigley Field. Want to talk about him, talk a little bit about Kyle Hendricks, talk about your new closer, Adbert Alzali, okay. uh, and the stuff he's been doing. I know Brendan was clamoring for that. So plenty to talk about on this episode. Want to talk about the Palatine legend, Mike Talkman as well. I was in Palatine on Saturday paying my respects wow. to to the legend, Mike Talkman. A palpable buzz just in the air. I got off the Metra. Right? Yeah. Everybody, the, the energy, you're just like, wow. This yeah. is sacred ground. Well, the parade's in three weeks for Mike, so right fast. Uh, so there's a lot to talk about, but I want to start with Christopher Morell. I think that's what people want to talk about. Um, well, before before we do that, obviously this week, it as you said, Brendan, it's it's a very weird season, right? Because there's been real low points of this year where we've been very frustrated with the team's play on the field, the management of the team, the front office management of the team. Uh, but they really did come home and respond quite nicely. Uh, it, it when we talked last week, we noted that. Now Milwaukee is the first place team, but at the time Pittsburgh was the first place team and you were getting your first look at them and you were going to have six games with them over the next you know week uh, on the schedule uh, going to next Wednesday. And they started out and they took care of business. They swept them out of town and then they got a really good Baltimore team that's been playing very well and they took care of business. They couldn't get the sweep done today, but you'll take two or three from them and the Rays like they have at Wrigley Field so far this year any time. So yeah, uh, uh a, a very up and down season, but this was, I think a lot of fans really kind of like almost put out a, a call to action for this team, right? And it was like, step it up, right? Like the, the, you guys have wasted some of the early portion. You've wasted some good performances, but the division is right there. Step it up and get back in it. And for now, they have responded in kind. They, they had no choice. If they, if they didn't go out and do this this week, July is right around the corner. By the time we talk next week, that will be the last week of June with this team. So they, they almost had no choice doing this. So they did respond, and I give them a lot of credit for doing so. It doesn't change some of the long-term concerns that you and I have talked about, but it does alleviate some of the short-term concerns that we're talking about, that we have been talking about. So this division's right there. Right. We've always recognized the potential for this team to turn it around because they do have an opportunity given that the competition is weak. Right. The hope is that they continue to go on not just one more run, a few more runs, as we saw this week, and they can really make an extreme turnaround and change the 
the the majority of the tone this season is still going to take a lot, right? They can still fight their way, claw their way, kind of be competitive in, in August and September. But the hope is this division shouldn't be competitive. This division should be – the Cubs should be running away with this division given the lack of competition that we're currently seeing. Yeah, so it will be interesting. And, of course, they go to Pittsburgh before they head to London – to uh, start this coming week off. So they're going to have to continue playing well against we'll Pittsburgh again, right? here. It's just that simple. Sure. Yeah, yeah, just, do, just do that. And then the yeah. next year, we'll run that. that I'll uh, send a tweet to David Ross and just say, hey, okay. just sweet Pittsburgh again. Yeah. Um, I do want to talk about Christopher Morell, though. He is obviously on just an incredible run here. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I want to get into the adjustments too. We had a comment on, on YouTube from design love talking about a lot of the comparisons to hobby bias. It's sort of easy to, I think, compare the two just given their trajectory, their skill set, their energy and, and all of that. But yeah, to, to the comment, they, they are different players. And I think what we're seeing from Morel right now is really impressive. I loved that at bat that he homered in today watching it live uh but just seeing him lay off of those pitches that clearly are the ones the pitchers want him to reach for and chase at uh to see him spit on those and stay back and get the you know the cookie right and just smash it just uh, really uh, there there's not a lot of hyperbole in terms of what you can say about what he's done so far i mean even after you know, he goes one for four with the homer on Sunday, a 291 average, a 1042 OPS for Christopher Morel right now. And he's well over 100 plate appearances on the year. So this is not, you know, a one week stretch. Like he has come up and found a way to make adjustments. David Ross talked a little bit. Uh, I think our guy Ryan Herrera wrote about it over at allchgo.com, was tweeting about it. You know, that little like reset he had where he was out of the lineup for a few days, just kind of like settle down, focus on what he needs to work on. And he's come back and just starts mashing the ball again. So I I know you've been digging into some of the stuff that's been particularly impressive with Morel, but what really stands out to you in terms of what has for now turned Christopher Morel from someone who obviously had those loud skills and loud tools but, you know, at times last year, obviously, right, would have those real valleys just given the holes in yeah. his game. What is he really showing right now that's kind of, you know, piggy, not piggybacking, lifting this this stretch yeah. of baseball for him? He's, he's changing at unpredictable rates, right? He's one of those guys, you can kind of lump in Javi to this discussion. I know we saw that comment, as you mentioned, Corey, but he adjusts at unpredictable rates, where you can't really project him, you know, a month from now, three months from now, next season, because he's growing, he's developing, and he wasn't on many people's radars a year ago. What he's doing now is not surprising in that he's shown the capacity to kind of break predictable developmental curves. I will say for me, it's still it's still surprising seeing this much power. I mean, this is like historical level power through the first 31 games you know as a cub his 13 home runs are in the same tiers of like of like gabby hartnett and and sammy sosa and you're seeing the exit velocity and everything right like this is power that is just completely off the charts what he's doing to amplify that power is probably very complex but to reduce it down you can kind of 
uh, go off what Dustin Kelly was saying about a month ago when uh, Christopher Morrell was called up. And Kelly said, just to paraphrase, that the intention for Morrell to target the pitches that he does the most damage against is very high. Whereas perhaps in years past or specifically towards the back end of last year, uh, a little bit more aggressive over the zone this season, he's still aggressive overall, but the pitches that he does the most damage against, he's not missing and he's making more contact on those pitches. And there's one graph where I think that speaks volume to those adjustments, Stephen, if you have it up. And if you're looking at this on the YouTube page, these are two zone profiles separated by season. 2022, obviously, Morrell's rookie season. 2023 is on the right. And the more blue that you see, the less whiffs. And you see a huge pool of blue and purple in the middle of the strike zone, which is showing that Morrell is basically not missing pitches over the heart of the plate. Whereas last season, he tended to miss some of those pitches. What this has led to is a contact rate almost 70%, which is really impressive. To give a comparison, you have Dansby Swanson around like 73% right now. Javi Baez is typically around 68 to 70%. So Morel recently is a little bit above what you saw from Javi. And this is really encouraging because not only are the whiffs decreasing, but the loud contact is really amplifying, more so than last season. So I'm I'm optimistic. Now there's still there still will be adjustments he has to make. Obviously the defensive position for Morel has not been ironed out and that's going to deflate some of his long-term value as a result. But right now in the current moment, like he's doing it again, Corey. He's adjusting at rates that I didn't think was possible. And this is this power and the contact improvement is the real deal, dude. Yeah. Uh, I know there was a lot of kind of celebration on Twitter the other day. You know, he got that K rate under 30%, oh. sitting at about 29% now. Uh, but it is impressive. I mean, the ability for him to adjust, right? Because I think we we really sort of, I think a lot of people thought of him as as that just kind of player, right? He would have a ton of power. Maybe not exactly like Patrick Wisdom, but similar in that like the slug was going to be there, but he was just going to strike out all the time. Yeah. It would be a hard hit ball or a strikeout every and time. And he's still going to strike out a lot. Like, sure. That's still going to be part of his game. Yeah, but the ability to even combat that a little bit and at least for now kind of force pitchers to try something else if they're trying to get him to to strike out all the time it's impressive and you know again like I think one of the things I don't know if people forget this but it is different with him than some of the guys we've talked about in recent years like Christopher Morrell's 23 years old his birthday's coming up soon so he'll be 24 soon but like this is a young baseball player uh we've gotten kind of used to some of the guys the Cubs have been calling up being on the older side right like Matt Mervis is older than Christopher Morrell and Mervis isn't all that old for a prospect maybe but like he's got a lot of room to grow. The position thing is interesting, right? Because uh, we've talked about it and clearly they don't trust him at third base because if they did, they'd be trying to make that work. We've seen them try all sorts of things at the major league level, right? They've had 500 different people try to play right field when say is not out there, um, right? They've had a bunch of people, even over the last few years, try to play first base, right? You've got 
Madrigal trying to figure third base. So if Morell's not doing it, clearly they don't value that as something to try out right now. But uh, it, it, it does complicate things. It would be a lot easier because not only do you have to figure out where Morell is going to be every day, uh, but then you also have to figure out who's playing third base. So it's in theory that would solve two problems, but they're they're not really doing it. We see, you know, kind of pregame sometimes he does some work over there. Uh, but yeah, it doesn't really seem to be a priority. I know it's kind of something that's pretty confusing. I, I, I see people talking about it in the chat. Like, I don't have the the answer to that. I wish they would have been doing it eight months ago. Yeah. Uh, but it just doesn't seem to be something that they're desperately trying to figure out. And I mean, for now, you know, they might have the attitude that he's hitting well, he's making adjustments, he's lowering his K rate, leave well enough alone rather than trying to get him out there working on his throwing angle at third base, you know, every day and trying to figure that out. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was taking reps at first base in San Francisco, so they're right. trying to teach right. him new positions. It is it is confusing, right? I think long-term for me, like he becomes uh, a, a, a candidate for third base. It's so weird that you just have to default to the idea that the Cubs don't trust his arm, that they're trying to compete now. They don't want to risk any type of defensive volatility at third base. Whether you like it or not, Nick Magical has shown the competence at third base defensively, whether you think he's a good defender or not. At least he's making the throws, making the, the standard plays. It seems as if the Cubs don't want to risk that right now. Uh, going into the season, I honestly thought that Morel would come in with like a different throwing motion because he was in the outfield and the elongated throwing motion. He has some of the best arm strength in Major League Baseball. Like he's probably 95th percentile athleticism in the league from sprint speed, overall bat speed, and arm strength. So he has the capacity to do this. It's just for some reason during the offseason that wasn't either prioritize or it didn't work out and he was not able to do it. I, I don't know. But long term, he has, I think, the infield um, uh, competence to to field ground balls and to do so athletically. I just think it's a throwing thing. I'm yeah. not sure if that can be changed. But my hope is it can be because he would be he was dude. If he can fill third base, that solves so many problems for this team right now. Yeah, I don't know. I, again, I think the bigger issue for me is just that they've had such a struggle with wisdom being in the funk that he's in, finding someone to put at third base. And it's so, not going to happen this year. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there. Yeah. I mean, by now, you know, question in the chat of putting Nico at third and Morel at second. I think they let you know the middle infield defense is too good. I don't well, think it's they're the going to infield in like yeah. Chicago Cubs. I don't I think they're going to to risk doing that. Uh, but it's just the the issue becomes right. Like we're we're talking about like again. I, I give Magical all the credit in the world for being m- much better at third base than I thought he was going to be. But he's still not hitting at the major league level, right? At all. Uh, Mastroboni also not hitting at the major league level wisdom in a huge funk. So the problem with relegating Morel to the DH, if it helps him hit this way and stay focused and all of that and make those adjustments, great. But the problem is you still need somebody to play third base. And for some time, the Cubs are rotating between a few guys that have like a 600 or below OPS. It's not exactly what you want from typically a power hitting position, right? Uh, so I don't think that, I don't think that continues. Like, let's say this team is in 
competition, you know, three games back, four games back by mid-July, I think they make a trade. I think they get someone at third base with a better bat. We've seen like Jaime Candelario come up, former Cup mm-hmm. prospect, traded in that disastrous Justin Wilson trade with Isaac Paredes that even at the time we were like, you know, don't like it. Yeah, He's an option, right? So I don't think that is going to continue. But then again, we've been wrong with this before. So who knows, man? Can PCA play third base? Sure, call him up. He's a lefty, right? But <laughs> well, he throws righty. Yeah. Yeah, he can do it. Right, right. <laughs> he could probably do anything, but yeah. I mean, if the Cubs really want, they can just, you know, put Morel. Well, you have the shift now, so you can't do it. I was going to say put Morel and Nico around second base and just leave Dansby to the left side of the infield. He can do it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, right. I think either way, the, the, the point with the defensive discussion is that they don't seem to be in any rush to get Morel out there at third base. And at some point, if they remain in this race and are, are truly trying to win the division as this stretch goes down for the rest of the year, you're gonna, you are gonna can't keep trotting a black hole in terms of the offensive production at, at third base. So they're either going to need to see Patrick Wisdom get out of this funk and turn things around or probably try somebody else because I don't think Nick Madrigal is going to start hitting anytime soon. Uh, and Miles Mastroboni is a WRC plus that's like, 12 points lower than John Lester in 2019. So I don't think that's going to happen, folks, but up to you. Either way, the main point... play third base. Yes. Uh, Yeah, probably. Um, He would probably have to, like, underhand the ball to Dansby and have him make all the throws, but... Honestly, it's not a bad idea. Whatever. Uh, The main point, though, and kind of just wrapping this up, we're at 120 plate appearances for Christopher Morrell now. K-rate's under 30%. He's got a 700 slugging percentage right now 430 weighted on base average 174 wrc plus if he were a qualified hitter he is not he only has 120 plate appearances if you added him in the only hitter with uh over 100 plate appearances and a better wrc plus future cub shohei otani there you go well you go. well you may have to trade morale to get otani that would be an interesting conversation Ooh, i know well, there you now go. you could really rile people up with that. <laughs> but like last thought on uh, on, on Morel, then I'll do this ad break here. But like th- this is for me going forward the types of development that changes mindsets, changes my mindset, right? Because you're looking at someone who's not necessarily on that like obvious development trajectory. So if you're forecasting a team in the future, you want some like certain guys, right? So if Morel can continue to kind of surprise people, and the surprise this year has been this like, you know, 99th percentile power, then it changes the the overall outlook and it changes how the front office can operate. Right. So for him, and I think for me as a fan, like this is huge to see Morel do this, man. And I'm excited to see what else happens towards the end of the season if like the adjustments can change i hear jonathan vr is looking for another team <laughs> i saw i like you just completely completely sidetracked my great comment from nathan know, on youtube completely yeah. sidetracked me you know there, nathan 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 this is one of the problems doing live shows i'm completely thrown off my off my train of thought right now but but finishing up on morale then i'll do the ad break here i think this is the type of changes the Cubs need to capitalize on, right? And I don't know what the, the the solution is at third base or on playing time, but my preference is, given what Morel is showing, that 
you know, you do kind of risk it and you do put them in situations that continues to promote that development. Now, that's always going to be challenged by the idea that, you know, giving him the rest and Stanford that they've arrested may have brought this change out. That's fair and everything. But I do think the faster you expose players to challenges, the faster they can learn to adjust like that. I think Burrell is kind of like that example at this point. All right. So let's take... A quick break here from our sponsors, first of which is Pins and Aces. Pins and Aces is the official golf apparel partner of All City and CHGO. We love our Pins and Aces gear and get tons of compliments on and off the golf course, in addition to compliments on my golf swing, Corey. They are family-owned. They are a family-owned golf and apparel business. They make amazing polos, hats, golf bags, and even our favorite beer sleeve, an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire round. Check out pinsandaces.com. Use code CHGO to receive 15% off your first order and get free shipping. That's pinsandaces.com. Com. Second break here from our sponsor, Game Time. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing out over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun that you will have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. If you're in Pittsburgh, and you want a ticket last second, go to game time. If you're flying to London, which by the way, it's great for all of our UK Cubs fans and everything. I'm a little concerned about the Cubs circadian rhythm in London next week. But if you yourself want to go out there and support the team, you want to get a last second ticket for that London series, use game time. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, Brendan, you yes. and I are not making the trip to London. No, we're not. No, no. That would throw me off for like literally two months, man. I, I hate, I hate international flights. I can't do yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they, yeah. I hope everybody has a good time that goes. I, I just hope they show up against the Cardinals because uh, it would just be very typical of them. You know, the Cardinals are one of the worst teams in the league so far this year, but Why like, they would show up in London. In the you know? That's a dark thought. Well, that's it's what happened like when weekend. Wilson's been terrible, but he came to Wrigley Field, and of course he's like hitting game-winning no, you doubles do and this. stuff. You do this all the time. You take like a happy week, a happy moment, and you throw in the complete darkest possible outcome. Just yeah. throw it out there. That's you. That sounds like me. Yeah. yeah, thank you. That sounds good. Um, all right, Brennan, we did see on Saturday the return of one Justin Steele, which yeah. was very nice to see. He goes five innings, allows two runs, one walk, four strikeouts. Uh, he was on a pitch limit. He goes 74 pitches in this game. I know they just didn't want to ride him for a full and kind of normal start uh but he gets bit by the homer late in this one uh ross you know lets him go back out there and you know by a, a very good hitter right so no shame in giving up the homer uh there in that game but uh i thought Steele looked really good uh and you know more importantly like as we've kind of gone through the day on sunday and you know not heard anything about setbacks or things like that he worked back from it, seems to be feeling good, looked healthy out there, stuff looked good. I yeah. think that's the most important thing, you know, because when that first happened, we fear forearm. I mean, we're freaking out, 
right? Like I, I remember I was in the studio doing out. that. Well, you always freak out, yeah. but like I was in the studio doing that show with uh, Luke and Cody and Ryan. And, you know, we're talking about like, well, now they have to extend Strowman because who knows it was st- <laughs> panic, panic ensued. So <laughs> for him to be back this quickly, looking healthy, effective against a good Baltimore offense, that was really nice to see on Saturday. Yeah, man. And the velocity looked good. The stuff played up. He got the whiffs against a pretty good Orioles team that's outperforming their expectations. A lot of good young hitters. Overall, you can't say enough about Steele. I mean, the thing with him that I continue to be impressed about is when the command's not sharp and he's missing, it doesn't matter. Like that's why I'm encouraged about his long-term future for the Cubs, just because if he's missing with his fastball, you know, he's still getting the whiffs and that's going to, in the long term, kind of increase his margin for error. And we're seeing that. So great to see. He seemed to be in good spirits as well. Post game. Uh, the team was in good spirits. You saw on Twitter and social media, people, you know, throwing up uh, Chicago dubbies as Justice Steele has coined. It's great to see, man. And it's something that I think for you and I, we like needed, we needed this going into the week. If there were a setback with Justin Steele, I may not be able to do this podcast. I'd be, I'd be crushed, Corey. So we survived. We're relieved, and it's good for this team going forward. Keep it going. Yeah, absolutely. I see, as we're doing this show live on YouTube, I see a lot of chatter in the YouTube chat about whether the team is going to be buyers or sellers. I have no idea. That's the answer. And I think anybody that tries to tell you otherwise is lying to you or just trying to give you a straight answer. I have no idea. Uh, I think if they end up in a position where they add to the team, it I, I would be surprised if it's anything significant unless they really are in on like the Otani thing now, right? Ahead of him being a free agent. Uh, but that would be, that's a whole separate thing. Like that's a whole massive undertaking that really has nothing to do with where they are in the standings. If they're going to do it, they're going to do it. In terms of buying, if they're in a position to win the, the division, I think it would be something like we talked about, uh, a reliable bullpen arm that they can get for cheap somebody that knows how to play third base and can hit above a 700 OPS with, you know, some level of like regularity. Um, As for if they sell, same conversation we've had previously, like they have a a longer conversation to have about Marcus Stroman that is not just limited to this particular deadline and where they're at. Cody Bellinger too. They have to figure some things out. So I, I think the answer is I don't know. I I would be very surprised if they are a couple of games out in the division if we see a full on like tear down sell off. That would be a really bad look. And as we've talked about, some of these guys have longer term <laughs> implications. Stroman in particular. That being said, I don't think you know if they're in a bad division a couple games out, but in third place, say, like, I I don't see them parting with huge prospects to kind of make an all in run with this team. So somewhere probably in the middle of all of that, uh, obviously, depending on how things shake out for the next, uh, you know, little over a month. Yeah, we'll be curious Um, about that, too, is Jed is maybe perhaps a little bit more motivated to try to compete given that it has been multiple years now right so to sell off and trade stroman would have consequences for next season as well whereas right. you know the 2020 COVID stuff and the darvish trades the idea i imagine at the time that was discussed with ownership was it may take a year 
two years, it's unclear if Jed has that luxury anymore. Therefore, it'll be interesting to see if like the moves and the intention of the moves and the talk around who gets traded does change. Perhaps we do see like a Marcus Stroman extension talk start to ramp up, and you know, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna be very. Um, uh, insightful for next season, what they end up doing at the deadline. Now, if they trade some of these guys at the deadline, man, I don't know. 2024 yeah. will be interesting. Yeah. So we'll see. I, the real answer is I have no idea. It's it's a very weird position, right? Well, they're Jed, still like five games back. Too. Yeah. Well, and I mean, we ha- they could be in a completely different spot in yeah. a month, right? Like, who knows? Uh, but I think they had Jed on on the radio or in one of those you know pregame media scrums, and he was talking about the fine balance between where they are in the standings and how they're playing as a baseball team, right? And like being close in the division doesn't make them a good baseball team. But the last week or so, they've been playing like a good baseball team. So it it really just kind of depends, I think, on the moment and where they're at. But either way, I don't think it's going to be significant on either side. If they buy, it's not going to be crazy. If they sell, it's not going to be, you know, 2021 all over again. Uh, but we'll see. I don't know. This team finds a way to break your heart. <laughs> they, they, they can find ways. Don't challenge them is my point. Uh, I want to talk a little bit, uh, before we get into some more of the pitching stuff, I do want to talk about, uh, like, we got to give credit. Um, Mike Talkman has has yeah, really filled in a, a a big spot for this team. It's very nice to have Cody Bellinger back. Um, they end up taking it away on the error this afternoon, but you know he hit that ball hard in the gap. It should have been caught, but it's just nice to see him up there hitting the ball hard. They needed that in this lineup. He's obviously playing first base, but Talkman has come in and just done a really nice job. They desperately needed somebody to fill in and actually perform well. They've tried a lot of guys that have had very you know, varied success, a lot of it uh, ending up in the poor column. And for Talkman to come up, he's made some really good catches out there in center field. There was one one of the homers today that he jumped up on. I thought he was about to catch it. Uh, it ended up in the in the basket or in the stands, but like he was climbing up the ivy. I just he half expected him to catch it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I thought too. Um, but for him to come in, 280, 404, 320. So he's not, uh, that was coming into the game on Sunday. Um this is weird. Fangrass doesn't have his updated stats. I know. It's weird. All the time. Yeah. So there's no Homer. He did Homer today. Uh, so that slug is going to go up, but coming into the game before he hit a Homer, uh, already had a 111 WRC plus 365 weighted on base average. Um, and just has done a nice job filling in. They, they needed somebody to do that and he was able to do it long-term, you know, is he your solution in center field or your leadoff hitter? Probably not. But every year you're going to have guys get hurt. You're going to test your depth and they needed somebody to step up and Talkman has done just that. Yeah. He's doing it too in a position in a lineup that's needed. I think leadoff and starting the lineup with a degree of plate discipline was a point of emphasis for so many years, ever since Dexter Fowler left the team. Nico did an admirable, admirable job leading off the game, but you see, in an ideal situation, Nico's probably not your leadoff hitter. We've talked about this, right? Like Nico has elite bat-to-ball contact skills. And as a result of that, that's going to come with perhaps sometimes short plate appearances. Talkman's on the complete side of that spectrum where he is ultra patient, perhaps 
over the long term, maybe to some detriment. Uh, for him, though, you look at that chase rate, 18% chase rate. That's the best on the Cubs. Not surprising. You see the walk rate around 20%. You saw that even in Iowa, around 20%. And you see how it lengthens the lineup where you can put Nico back batting second. You can kind of play around with Dansby batting fifth. You can elongate the lineup and then all of a sudden you have Morrell batting seventh, right? And you see how that extends everything instead of pushing up Nico to lead off, pushing up Dansby the second. And there are going to be some times where you have heavy contact pitchers and a lineup gets shortened up and the game feels perhaps a little bit weird. Talkman is that is that length creator at the top of the lineup. Now, does this continue? Who knows, right? Like very few players Talkman's age come up and cement themselves as legitimate long-term solutions. We saw perhaps like Wisdom do this similarly, being an older guy to come up and grab playing time so it is possible. But at least in the current moment, the Cubs need to win games. Bellinger's knee is banged up. He's still fine at first base. The Cubs need first base offense. They need a leadoff hitter. This makes complete sense. The sacrifice that is a little bit difficult to reconcile is, okay, well, if Talkman plays, that means Mervis is not going to get at-bats. That's just what it is. And right now in the current Cubs situation, because they have to go out and continue to sweep series in the next four to five weeks to showcase any type of potential competitiveness, maybe this is... Maybe this is the best way forward, and it seems to be that is what they're going to do. Yeah. Obviously, since we last spoke, Mass Mervis sent back down to Iowa. And yeah, I mean, look, if Cody Bellinger cannot play center field, uh, this is where it all kind of comes together, right? Cody needs a place to play. Christopher Morrell does not have a place to play. You only have one DH slot. You only have one place for Cody Bellinger to play if he's not as mobile as he would like to be. And so you have to make a decision. I, I think for Mervis, you know, again, like they, they have to make the calculation of we need to win and try to figure out what the direction of this season is going to be as we're heading to the trade deadline. And that's not the optimal time for Matt Mervis to work through the stuff that he was working through. Um, it's just kind of the nature of where their roster is and and the situation kind of necessitates it. So it's tough. Obviously, that first stint didn't go the way that I, I think all of us would have hoped. Uh, but there were, you know, some good signs in there that hopefully he can build on. A- at this point, right, I, I joked about this, but like when I saw the numbers that Madrigal put up at AAA, I, I just don't care what the hitters you're, do you're with triple a there <laughs> I, if mervis goes back down there and hits i'm like okay cool yeah. great i watched nick magical hit 500 in triple a like and it it translates for some guys it doesn't translate Dude, for others hit a bomb. right you saw that he was right in front of your eyes a nice 320 foot bomb to left field today yeah <laughs> so he hit that i was getting a hot dog and they okay. put the i think it must have been the fifth inning because it was zadman over the the PA in the yeah. the concourse and like I'm like half paying attention because I'm trying to get back to my seat and I hear Zaidman go and Madrigal you know drives one in the air and I look up and the you know the left fielder standing 20 feet in front of the warning track I'm Dude, like it was a bomb for him man yeah. not quite uh 
not quite the way it was sold via the radio broadcast. Um, but hey, you know what do they what do they say? Like uh, another biscuit, and he would have hit it to the warning track. You know, a little an extra set on the bench press, and Madrigal's driving went out. You know what the Cubs could do though, Corey? I was just thinking about this. Put Christopher Morel on the on the pitching mound. You know, he throws like 95 miles per hour, like from the outfield. You put him on the pitching mound, okay, and then you call Matt Mervis back up, and you can DH him. Problem solved for everyone. So Morel's starting now. Morel is your starting pitcher, yeah, for three innings. Put him in the pitch lab. Okay. Yeah. That sounds like a Tampa Bay Rays kind of idea, but okay. uh, yeah, either way, a uh, lot to figure out. I think... I think we see Matt Mervis again at some point this year, but I think, again, it, it's a weird spot. They have to prioritize trying to win games, and at this current moment, he was not the best answer for that. And if Cody Bellinger needs to play first for a little while, this is what they had to do. So we'll yeah. see ultimately how they continue to shake things up. And it's going to be interesting, Brendan, you know, kind of finish off and we'll hit our second ad break here like on our conversation with Talkman. Ross has been trying with the lineup, right? He's been moving stuff around. He's been putting guys in different positions. You know, we saw a pretty standard lineup for the beginning good chunk of this season. Now we see Dansby Swanson hitting fifth, Cody Bellinger coming back and hitting sixth. Morell on Sunday, you know, despite being the hottest hitter on the planet, uh, Saturday too, hitting seventh right behind Cody Bellinger. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. I think you're, I think if I'm David Ross, you move Nico cause you want him to start hitting with guys on base. Uh, and you want him to be putting the ball in play with guys on base. You need somebody to start hitting homers besides Christopher Morrell, right? Uh, that middle of the order, Hap only has five on the year. We saw Dansby hit one the other day, but I think that's what this lineup and what I wonder if David Ross is trying to figure out, right? Say uh, a lot of these guys have been good overall in the year, above, you know, well above league average hitters, but that power, that slug is just something that I think this lineup is missing outside of what Christopher Morell is providing. But hopefully Cody Bellinger can come back start looking healthy, he probably moves up a little bit in the order. Yeah. But just interesting that we've seen some pretty significant, I would say, changes to this lineup after it being pretty standard for the first you know month or two of this season. Yeah, they kind of have no choice but to try the extreme scenarios at, at this point, too. And as I'm talking about this and listening to you and, and reconciling the development and talking and everything, I, I think th- there's been so many discussions you and I have had about, you know, let's just play Mervis all the time, play Nelson Velasquez all the time, play Morel all the time, right? Like, I think the tone for you and I has been mostly to be aggressive with a lot of these guys, but that type of discussion is always in the context of, okay, what is the alternative? And early on, the alternative is, let's say you don't play Matt Mervis. Well, the alternative is you have Eric Hosmer and Trey Mancini struggling, right? So the alternative is not clearly better. Right now, the alternative for Matt Mervis and some of these other guys in these extreme lineup decisions, the alternative is, okay, Bellinger may not be ready to play defense in center field, but this team needs to figure out, one, if they're competitive, and two, Bellinger's role for this season and perhaps next season as well. You still need information on Bellinger for 
your informed decisions in the long term. And then two, Talkman is really performing quite well. And maybe he is a longer term uh, depth piece in your outfield in the same discussions we had about like the Patrick Wisdoms and the Rafael Ortegas in prior years. Ortega yeah. did not work out. Wisdom did work out. So the alternative. Well, eventually, but for a minute, Ortega was a very, you know, yeah. contribute. He was a contributing piece on this team. And you, but you needed that information ultimately in a longer sample to figure out. Okay, we need to move on because you moved on from Ortega. That brought in a roster spot for Mike Talkman, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to go through this like really, really fast and just rule out like the failed potential player. So I, I think that's the good alternative. And right now, at least. Personally, like I'm willing to at least risk, um, you know, for the next three to four weeks, some at bats for Matt Mervis, if that means that's the only way to get Bellinger plate appearances because of yeah. this injury. So that's okay for now. But if we're having this discussion in like you know August and something, and, and like the Cubs are not clearly in it, then it's it is going to change, and you do have to start making some uncomfortable decisions to yield playing time to the younger guys. Right. Yeah, because at some point, again, if they can stay in this division race and they decide to try and compete and finish it off. Yeah. That's, that's obviously going to take precedence on how they're making these decisions. But as we look forward at the moment, right, if we were piecing this together, you need an answer at first base for 2024, right? Now yeah. we're getting obviously very ahead of ourselves, but it does matter when you're talking about Mervis being sent down and the playing time he gets, whether Christopher Morell ever is given a defensive position to play. At some point as you go forward, you need these answers because if we were trying to answer that question now, yeah. you would add first base to the list of needs. You would not hand over those keys to Matt Mervis to start the 2024 season. You would need to see more so if they uh, my preference is that they are winning games and maybe he comes up to dh and they're too busy trying to win the division to worry about that that's my preference but we'll see but that's just kind of wanted to touch on that a little bit as obviously he was sent back down and you know we're not really sure when we may see him again yeah all right so another ad break here from our sponsor goose island goose island got a lot of airtime this week Corey, by our friend cody a lot of those goose island beer chugs uh, goose island has a very deep beer roster they have the goose ipa they have the tropical beer hug they have my favorite the 312 wheat ale they have cody's favorite the full pocket pilsner who it, that is being chugged within like 10 seconds now so cody's also like christopher morell cody is evolving is talents, Corey. So grab an ultra fresh brewery exclusive beer at Goose Island. You can go to their original brew house on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown, Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. All right, another break here from our sponsor, Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead in premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers world-class products that's just as good as any expensive pair that we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers their most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses you buy from them is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose them, even on day one, you break them on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions 
ask where your shady raised with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase and together with their customers they are providing much needed support to nonprofit partners across the US through shady raise impact from building playsets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS the outdoor adventure of a lifetime shady raise is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come if you don't love your shady raise exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within one month there's no risk when you shop their team always has your back and exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized shades. Try for yourself. The shades are rated five stars by a quarter million people, Corey. I look pretty good in them. You do. You do. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah. I know. I know. Um, you, were you fishing for a compliment there? Is that what you wanted from me? Yeah. yeah. You look yeah. good, Corey. You're an attractive you. person. There you, go. you get. You already got a compliment in our live YouTube chat on your hair today. I, 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 I need. I need to, I need to be gassed that. up a I, little I need, bit as I well. I need all the compliments I can get. I'm yeah. yeah. Uh, as I said, if you're watching live on YouTube, hop in the chat. We've got a spirited, and I mean spirited, debate going on about <laughs> Strowman's contract and an extension and spending money. I love it. I we're we're happy to have you guys. We appreciate you spending your Sunday afternoon. With us, um, we're not going to get into that right now. We've talked about that a little bit, uh, but I did also want to uh, note. I, I I saw just to go back to Morell for one second. Uh, comment sure. from TP up in the YouTube chat. Uh, he said, Morell is the future face of the Cubs. He has the it factor, charisma, needs to play every day. He's a diamond in the rough. Defense will come. I don't yeah, know if he's the future surprised. face of the Cubs, but I like this comment just because, like, especially when you watch him making these adjustments. He he does, as the comment says, have that it factor, right? Yeah. The He's just a, a, he's one of those guys, and, and I, I see where the comps, even if their games aren't exactly the same, right, come with Javi Baez, just in that they are the type of guy that when they're on the field, your eyes are glued to them. There are 40,000-plus people at beautiful historic Wrigley Field on Sunday afternoon, and when Morell is in the batter's box— all eyes are on him and if he were in the field i think it would be the same way like it might take some time but like he's capable of that stuff he's got the speed he's got the athleticism if he can if these adjustments are real and he can keep that k rate down he's uh gonna be a very exciting player um and one that i think fans are gonna they already have but continue to fall in love with at a pretty if he makes 70 percent contact as his career base Corey. He's an all-star player. Like that's yeah. what it is. The question is, can he sustain 70% contact? That's a fair question. Many guys with his power can't do that. But if he does, then these discussions we're having are laughable because it's obvious yeah. that he is one of the hallmarks of this organization. It's a big ask though. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I want to talk about Adbert Alzali. Okay. I want to talk about Tyone too in a second and just see where, where you're at with him. Uh, but they, they have a closer finally. Um, and I'm not even sure if David Ross has like officially said that, or, you know, if we have like a, you know, official changing of the guard, uh, but he's using him in that spot. Obviously him and lighter are the ones getting those high leverage spots. Um, and, 
he's he's got it, dude. I know you were calling for this for a while, but he has that attitude that's built for being a closer. He wants the ball in those tight situations. Uh, and just watching him over the last couple weeks, especially in these save spots, you know, in this weekend against an Orioles team, like him saving a game, a tight game against a really good team from the American League at Wrigley Field. He tweeted about it, 40,000 at Wrigley. The energy just feels right. Brendan, I got to be honest with you. Like it, it, I, it, the 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 results are there, but the feel of it, just from a yeah. a, a narrative perspective, I I I, j- I just love it. I love watching him out there in big games and and finally kind of getting those moments. Yeah, and this is desperately needed to stabilize the back end of the bullpen. That way, Ross doesn't have to wait to use lighter in you know the late eighth going into the ninth inning. You can kind of stabilize Adber in that situation. I I will say, given the current makeup of the bullpen, I think he does make the most sense now. But if I'm going to make an ideal bullpen, I'm not quite sure Adbear fits like the ideal closer uh, for two reasons. And they're not, this is not to like, you know, uh, discount Alice Fisher. This is not it. But one of the reasons he's so successful is because he hammers the hell out of the strike zone. Like his walk per nine is around one and a half batters per game. Uh, as a result, he's willing to accept some of the contact he gives up. So his whiff rate is about league average. For me, I've always said this. I want closers that just get tons of whiffs. Adber can do that with this slider, but he's more willing to, again, accept that weak contact. So I think right now, given all the options in this bullpen, he is probably the one guy I would lean on the most. But my hope is as the bullpen starts to develop, as guys come up through the system, Daniel Palencia, for example, my hope is Adbert kind of shifts back into a fireman role where you get, you know, seventh innings, eighth innings, more of a multi-inning role, perhaps. And you can actually use, you know, multiple quote unquote closers in your bullpen. But right now, yes, he has the attitude, he has the energy, the charisma, the confidence, the stuff. He has like six different pitch types, three unique breaking pitches, and he's commanding all those pitches, getting lefties out. He is right now the obvious candidate as a closer, and I think is fine as is. But if you want to be super greedy, as I always say I am, I do think in the long term, he's probably best served as like a fireman multi-inning guy late in the game sure. to, to get you through the lineup. Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting discussion that I was having somewhat with Cody at the game today. Uh, I think you would have liked him in an ideal scenario in that sixth inning today to come in and put out that fire. Uh, Ross goes to Anthony Kay, and, you know, we were kind of talking about how it's a tough spot, right, for David Ross, because I'm sitting there, and my initial reaction is, this is a tight game against a good offense. I I don't know why on earth Anthony Kay is the first one out of the bullpen, but that's the point. Who uh, who else do you trust? Mark Leiter Jr. went two on Saturday, so he's likely down. Azalai went on Saturday. Maybe he can come in, but if you use him in that fireman role in the sixth inning to hopefully keep the Orioles uh, I think it would have been at one at the time or whatever it was, right? Uh, to keep it a one-run game, then who's coming in after that, right? It's only the sixth inning, so it's a it's a tough spot for Ross. Um, and you know, t- today on Sunday, I didn't. Again, I I don't love Anthony K. Kind of immediately coming up and 
getting an opportunity like that. Uh, but they they only have so many lefties, right? And I don't know who I'm clamoring for. I'm not going to sit here and say, no, he should have brought in Michael Rucker. That was the answer, right? Like, no, I, I, I don't have that for you. So yeah. I it is a tough spot. Had, what? Like, we were having discussions going into the year about the strength of the pitching staff being multi-inning yeah. relievers with Keegan and Adbert. And we talked about, you know, this is great because you can piggyback Justin Steele if he needs to. The right. conversation has completely changed where now you're multi-inning guys, one of which is trying to regroup in Keegan and AAA, and now your other multi-inning candidate is closing games for you. So the right. bullpen has shortened up as a result. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, you know, I know Cody Hoyer has been working his way back. I think the Velo reports are good on that. So, yeah. you know, I, I'm sure that's just they've got him on a path to make sure he's getting back and healthy and that arm is going to be in a good spot and they'll get him back up here can shuffle guys around. I know, uh, you know, we had Greg Huss in the chat earlier. I'm sure when you said Daniel Palencia, he's, his ears perk up, you know, like a dog when they hear the word treat. Did they say Daniel Palencia? Um, so they're, they're going to be able to shuffle some stuff around, but it, it is clearly, and I think it, it is somewhat highlighted. It's easy to highlight the bullpen in the games that they legitimately blow, right? They blow a save or they blow a, a late lead. But I think Sunday was a good example of, you know, how much uh hi greg uh how much this bullpen is a, a a real struggle point for this team right now as good as mark Leiter jr and Albert alzali have been right the inability for ross to have great answers in a lot of these situations when you have to make a choice right do i want to bring in my highest leverage guy now and have a bunch of guys that aren't performing later in the game if things get dicey then it just isn't a great option. So they're going to have to figure that out. Uh, I do want to talk Tyone a little bit, but I before we do that, one question for you, Brendan. If they're competing in a bad division, right? I'm not talking about turning this team into a World Series favorite or anything like that. But if you could solve one of these problems right now, you get somebody who can play good defense and hit above, you know, a, a little above league average at third base, say at the trade deadline, or a quality, reliable, high leverage reliever, which one are you taking? You can solve only one of those problems right now. Which is the which is the more important problem to solve for this team? It probably would be the bullpen. I mean, this team has a positive run differential, Corey. So they've lost a lot of close games. So I, I as yeah. as Ryan in our YouTube chat pointed out, I, I did yes, we did forget Julian Merriweather. That is correct. Uh, that that was an oversight on my part. Yes, Julian Merriweather has been very good. Uh, he did pitch on Saturday. Um, not sure if that was you know part of why he wasn't one of the first guys out. Uh, yes, as you're as you guys are saying that that would have been my first choice today on Sunday. Yeah. Go back to Merriweather, but you know then you're doing back to back days. I don't know. Sorry to cut you off. I just wanted to make sure we mentioned Julian Merriweather. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, and you know with Kyle coming back, Kyle Hendricks coming back, you know. Thinking about this, you can put Wisniewski in that Keegan type role, you know, for the short term. Ultimately, I think uh, Wisniewski his uh, his best values as a starting pitcher if he can adjust. But giving Ross the ability to stabilize the bullpen, I think has the best chance to win on the margins. Me too. I think yeah, I think you can win with one of the worst offensive hitters at third base. 
because they've already shown the ability to score more runs than they give up. It's just a matter of how do you get those close games where you're down by one run, up by one run, and you don't blow it wide open as we saw today because who knows, man, if they keep that one-run game, it forces uh, Brandon Hyde to make a little bit more changes from the bullpen, and you can stay in the game and end up winning those closer games. Yep, I would agree. Uh they're both not the greatest problems in the world, but yeah, I think giving Ross more options and not having it be such a thing where it's like if certain guys aren't available, you just have a bunch of guys you don't trust and are sort of like praying that they are able to perform on a given day. Um, a little bit on Tyone before we sign off, and then I think that's all we will have for you. Um, a better, you know, he's he's on a better trend right, uh, than he was in the beginning of the year. Five and a third on Sunday, eight hits, four earned, two walks, just the one strikeout. Um, but, you know, two, uh, we, we got a, a comment from Design Love here earlier in the chat. Uh, is he going to get any better? Wondering why New York didn't re-sign him. They need pitching, so why didn't they re-sign him? And I, I think the question for Tyone is like, Sunday was, it was fine, Right. Five and a third, keep the team in the game. Baltimore offense is pretty good. Um, you know, I think the one homer that that got out, it's you know, it's not like it was sent on to, you know, Waveland or Sheffield. It it just is one Ashland. of those that gets out. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh that would be really impressive. Um but I, I do think a lot of people are kind of asking, like, okay, like, yeah, this is fine, but Where's that next level? Is he going to hit that next level? Is he going to look like that guy that was such a reliable starter for the New York Yankees? Because even though this is a better trajectory than he was on in the beginning of the year, it's not good enough for what the Cubs need from Jamison Tyone. It's not It's not good enough. The, the question is, can he get back to a point of being who he was last year? Absolutely, yes. Is it certain? I don't know right? Each pitcher is unique. So we always have a tendency to try to parallel past Cubs pitchers who struggled in the current moment. We always talk about John Lester's rough start to his 2015 season. We talk about Hugh Darvish's rough start to his Cubs tenure. And we try to parallel these certain instances. In reality, they're all very unique. And with Tyone, it's been a little bit different than past pitchers because unlike past pitchers, Tyone has extremely changed the types of pitches he uses where he developed a sweeping slider as everyone knows by this point and that's being used about a quarter of the time and the consequence of that pitch on his other pitches is a little ambiguous but you can at least perhaps infer that some of his other pitches have struggled as a result. When I talk to pitching coaches across the league, I, one of the questions I asked some of these guys is like, what is the sacrifice of developing a sweeping slider? What sometimes happens if a pitcher ends up succeeding at this pitch, but what are the consequences? One of the consequences is you end up cutting other pitches unintentionally. So then my idea is, okay, well, what pitch did he rely upon as a successful starter with the Yankees. And that pitch was a curveball. And why is that significant as well? Because when you listen to Tommy Hadovy talk about what Tyon needs to do to get back to his former self, Hadovy said, forcing a fastball, curveball, north to south. That's what he was good at as a New York Yankee with the command. Okay, let's go look at his curveball. So, Stephen, if, and again, if you're listening to this on the YouTube chat, you can see this. 
if you look at his curveball this season versus his new sweeping slider, his slider has gained about eight inches of horizontal break compared to his slider in 2022 and 2021. His curveball, whether this is intentional or not, I imagine it's not intentional given what Hadevi has said. His curveball has gained also about two inches of horizontal break. And that's being represented on this graph. The very top red and blue dots are each individual pitch that he's thrown. The blue dots are curveballs. The red dots are sliders. The further right the dot, the more horizontal break. You can see the majority of his blue dots or blue pitches and curveballs are way further to the right, having more break than in years past. So then the question is, okay, is this fixable? Uh, or two, is this beyond repairable in the current moment in 2023? And you kind of just have to live with this new sweeping slider and kind of forget the curveball. That will probably be the balance that the pitching side will have to figure out with Tyone. Uh, he is a veteran. He has a history, a long history of being a 25 plus starter in this league. The encouraging aspect for me is that the stuff, the majority of the stuff looks as if it's not being uh, changed by injuries. The velocity is still strong. Uh, the sinker command in the past three starts has been a lot better. That was one of the reasons why he was not succeeding early on that we talked about. Sinker's been much better the last three starts. The sweeper does grade really well, and he at least is showing confidence in that pitch. I think now it's just a matter of, okay, how do you get back to using that north to south curveball, and is it even worth it at this point? So there's still be there still may be some growing pains, and maybe this was never the right idea, and it was a mistake in hindsight letting Tyone develop this pitch. But I do think there's encouraging trends, and unfortunately, to many people's discomfort, it may be a little bit uh, uncomfortable in the current going and. Who knows, man? It may not work out, right? But I do think, given his history, given the Cubs' uh, recent history with veteran pitchers, I would bet that he does turn it around. But it's never for the, for the stuff like this. It's never a certainty. But I do have confidence he can turn it around. Yeah, and you know, it's with Steele coming back and looking healthy, and hopefully everything you know continuing to be okay there. Kyle Hendricks, uh, another good start this week on Friday against the Orioles, yeah, five good. strong. Uh, just two hits, two runs, um, no walks for Kyle Hendricks in that game on Friday. It 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 lessens the blow, I guess. I I don't know if that's the right word, but of Tyone not sort of living up to where you kind of hoped he would be for now. But eventually, you're gonna you're gonna need that to to turn the corner again. The trajectory has been going the right direction, but it's a very slow. The arrow is moving very slowly. Yeah up this uh up this graph so i think we need you know eventually like this team really needs tyone to start going out there and just dominating some games just giving them let the offense off the hook for the night and just shut teams down uh even if it's just a handful of those starts but like they they desperately need that uh because obviously throughout the vast majority of this year they just don't win as a team when he is on the mound. It's not always him taking the loss, but just not a successful combo so far. Uh, but hopefully he continues to trend in the right direction and we see some better results there. Uh, I think that's all we have for it. It's an interesting week. The Cubs have three with the Pittsburgh Pirates on Monday through Wednesday, two 605 starts on Monday and Tuesday, and then 1135 in Chicago. Brendan, you're going to have to get out the coffee in California for that one. Uh, 9.30 for our boy, Brendan, in California. Rough. 
but after that, we have an off day on Thursday and Friday, and then the Chicago Cubs are in London, England, to play the St. Louis Cardinals on Saturday and Sunday noon and 9 a.m. on Saturday and Sunday because what more does anybody want than to wake up at 9 a.m. on a Sunday to watch the Cubs and the Cardinals play baseball from London, England? Yeah. So I I don't know. Uh, Interesting week. Hopefully the travel isn't too much of a hassle for them. But I think for me, Brendan, just keep it rolling, man. This was a really good week. The division is bad. This team does not have to turn into the best team in the league or a World Series contender really for the rest of the season, right? If they make the playoffs, sure, like that would turn into the goal. But like they need to win the NL Central. That is where their focus is. That is what their goal is. And if they play baseball like they did this week against the Pirates and the Orioles, they can do that. Eventually, they're going to have to take care of business continuing against the Pirates. They're going to have to take care of business against the Reds, who are the hottest team in the league, and the Brewers, who have at the moment found themselves as the you know team able to swim through this pool of garbage a little bit quicker than everybody else, right? Yeah. But... They don't have to be the best team in the world. They just have to be the best team in the NL Central. And more of what we saw this week, and I think they could do it. I'm this. I'm laughing at the chat over here. I don't know if you're reading this. As Cody always says, Barbara, you are a wild card. Uh, I'm, I'm from Buffalo Grove, by the way. So I do live on the West Coast. I'm a Buffalo Grove kid. Corey and I are both Buffalo Grove kids. You know, Deerfield's Bakery. Yeah, I know Deerfield Bakery. BG Pride, baby. Yeah, it's my comfort zone, right? Uh, I And a lot of comments about what pants I'm wearing. I, I'm wearing pants right now. No, I'm I think they're shorts. talking about Cody's pants. Oh, Cody's pants. Okay. Well, he wears Cody takes a lot of flack for wearing shorts in the studio. It's a. I know. Whole separate story. I yeah, know. I don't surf. By the way, I'm not a surfer. You know, again, yeah. I'm a suburb Chicago. I'm like Mike Talkman. You know, I'm a Chicago. Is Brendan guy. a surfer? You guys just watched him put up a, a Harvard Econ chart for Jamison Tyone. No, he's not a surfer. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, I used to longboard back in the day. Not anymore yeah. though. I almost broke my hip. All right. That's Any further thoughts on the Chicago Cubs, or are you done? <laughs> I mean, just keep winning games, man. I am a little concerned about going to London and everything. It's like, of course, you start getting on a hot streak here, and you have to go across the pond. And again, it's going to be great to see like our good friend Rachel in London and all the UK fans. That's going to be super fun to see all that content. But my hope is get there, get well-rested, go through it. This is what I want this week. Deep starts by the starting rotation. That way, when you go to London, you have a well-rested bullpen in case you need to use them. So it would be great to have extended starts from Strowman again, have Steele perhaps go past 70 pitches, uh, Kyle again having a good start. That way, by the time this weekend rolls around, you know, Ross can be a little bit more liberal with his bullpen usage and keep winning games. I need to keep, we need more extremes. Like 501 is great. It does make me feel better, especially the last two weeks have been completely negative. But ultimately, we need like five and one, five and one, five and one, like all, like all the time here. It does need yep. to happen way more often. Yeah, when well, just keep winning series. They they've they've been winning series and and that's that's the key here. You don't have to sweep everybody, but keep taking care of business, win series and they'll hopefully get to where they want to be. It's been an interesting season. I mean, next week it just feels like a season where the tone is changing every 30 seconds, right? It's a we're weird we're season, panicking, man. we're kind of back in, we're out, we're in, we're out. I I don't know. I don't we'll know. see. But uh 
we're all along for the ride. We all just want the Cubs to be good. So that's the uh, important thing. Don't forget to join Luke and Cody and Ryan throughout the week. They'll have you for your pre and post game needs with this pirate series. Brendan and I will be back with you next Sunday. Uh, I will not be eating. I'm not eating any beans on toast, Brendan. I'm not doing it. People do that. So uh, we're not going to have a themed episode for next Sunday because they're in London. Um, but we will talk to you after the Cubs finish up that two-game series in London, England with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, don't forget to check those times and remember that they're going to be weird next weekend. I want you guys, you know, settling in for the afternoon 120 start and realizing the game started four hours before that. Uh, but Brendan and I will talk to you soon. We appreciate your support for the CHGO Cubs podcast and everything going on at CHGO. We will talk to you again soon. Nice week for the Cubs. Let's keep it rolling, and as always, go Cubs.